Well, hello. Welcome to Over and Under. I'm your host, Edward Henderson. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. We're going to take a little bit of a detour. I might lose some listeners today because we're going to talk about my faith walk and my experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. So if I haven't lost you uh, and you're interested, hang in here and let's see where this goes. You're at the Over and Under Show. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. And man, it's a crazy world we live in. It has no shortages of rabbit holes. I'm not scared of rabbit holes. If you're not scared of rabbit holes, this show is for you. Let's see if we can jump in one and make our way back to the top. So, as you can tell by my opening music and my little monologue, my intro there, I don't find any shortages of rabbit holes in this world. And has been the premise for this show for a good bit. So I think most people know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about rabbit holes. But what I'm talking about, in case you don't know, is it's a reference to Alice in Wonderland. You know, she falls down a rabbit hole where the world and reasoning is turned upside down. Words have all kinds of meaning. Up is down. Down is sideways. Men are women. Women are men. It's, uh, it gets to be very fuzzy in that world, and there's just not a whole lot of reasoning that you can grab hold of to, so you can get some type of grounding. You're, you're just dizzy. Everything seems to be out of proportion. So that's what I'm referring to when I'm talking about rabbit holes. So I told you today, and let me just say this real quick, because, you know, most of the podcasts are very successful. Sometimes I have 100% retention, and some of them are just bombs. They uh, they get shut off in five or six minutes, so some of the listeners just are not into what I'm saying. But I want you to know that today I'm very much into what I'm saying. And uh, let me just tell you right now, the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. I have accepted accepted Him as my personal Savior, and I have walked with Him, uh, sometimes not willingly. He has never abandoned me. Not For no reason has He ever abandoned me. He has never left me. He has let me go on my way sometimes, but He's always been right there. And any time that I have felt lost, I just turned right around, and there He was. And I cannot deny the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and I'm a very logical man. I know that if you're listening and you're a logical person and you don't know Jesus Christ, you have every right to ask questions, to to challenge my belief or anybody who claims to know Jesus Christ. But I can tell you right now, Jesus don't mind that. He didn't mind when he was walking this earth that you would challenge who he was He took on the challenge of coming to the world and reconciling man with God, and he was victorious. But again, if you're a logical person, I I can see where you might struggle with some of this, but I want you to continue to listen to me. See if it is not something that you need to pursue. I would say that it is. I would would definitely say it is something that you need to pursue is something that is innate in man. I believe it's in every one of us, this true desire to be reconciled to God, that that question of, is there anything else out there? How can there not be? How can all this just have happened? I assure you, there was a creator. The mere fact that we talk about issues of morality 
means that there was a moral giver. If there is not a God, I really don't have anything for you other than to tell you, go out and get everything you can for yourself. Be greedy, be selfish, because only thing in this world is, is the present time. And you don't know that you're going to be here tomorrow. But that's not what I believe. So in this first five minutes, I don't know what you're going to think of my faith walk. I don't know what you're going to think of me as a Christian. I might lose listeners, and that's okay. That That is more than fine, and I might have you might have already dropped off of this podcast. That's fine, too. But just maybe, just maybe, there's one or two that will stay here with me, and this was meant to be. I, I really... I just had something laid upon my heart, like so many times that the Holy Spirit does, the way that I have experienced the Holy Spirit. It'll put something on my heart, and I won't understand it, but it's relentless, and it won't let go. And one thing that was placed on my heart is, you know, Ed, here you are. You have a podcast. You do have base listeners, and you've got listeners from all over the world you talk about all the silliness that happens in this world, and yet you have not really shared your testimony. Now, this is not going to be an exhaustive uh, an accounting of my testimony, because if I don't know that I'm ready to go there. And if the Holy Spirit ever led me to go there, I'll go there. But this is just going to be really kind of a uh, really quick down and dirty in the podcast trying to keep it somewhere between 30 and 40 minutes again unless I'm led to do otherwise and carry this on for another hour an hour and a half and I could we're going to try to stay within the framework of the show in the time constraints I find people drop off very quickly at about 25 26 minutes and after you start getting into 30 minutes if you just ain't really rocking it they're, they're more than most likely they're going to turn off. But I went ahead and got that out of the way. I was able to make that declarative statement that I am a follower of Jesus Christ and he is my Savior. It is in him that I find my strength and it is in him that I have my faith here on this crazy world. And afterwards, when I leave this world, I will be reunited with him. I truly believe that. So let me tell you where it all starts. It starts in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm six years old. I'm at Temple Baptist Church. And Pastor Arnold is now gotten through with the service. And he is making the offer, like they do so many times at so many services, to come down to the front and accept Jesus Christ publicly. I can tell you that it was kind of an out-of-body experience. I have never felt so much love, so much acceptance, and feeling the Holy Spirit speaking so clearly to me, drawing to me. Uh, I mean, feeling like I'm almost being walked down. Now, this was not brainwashing because I can't really tell you much of the service. I would tell you at this point in time that... uh, I, I do love Jesus. I've, I've loved the stories that I've heard about Jesus. And most of that happened at Sunday school. Sunday school uh, teachers, thank you so much for what you do. You might not think that it has much value or much impact. Let me tell you, it had all the impact and made so much difference. That coupled with uh, two parents that were Christians went a long way because man this kid was getting ready to come off the tracks in just a few more years I was going to be faced with uh, some decisions that I didn't I didn't face up to well 
And thank goodness I had a Savior who did not abandon me. He probably should have. And I want you to keep in mind that, man, I went to church a lot. I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night. I was there for choir practice. Uh, I went on missions. And, man, if the church doors were open, Mom had us there. You know, my dad was a strong believer, too, in his way. And I'm so thankful that I had my dad's uh, influences uh, as I tried to do my walk because uh, dad, dad did it a little bit easier. It didn't look as complicated as some people made it. And uh, there was times I would question, did he really have it figured out? And I would tell you that both my mom and my dad had it figured out. But I, I, liked, I liked my dad's approach. I liked the uh, way he would refer to Jesus. He would refer to Jesus not only as his savior, but someone to be talked to. Sometimes, you know, he wouldn't even close his eyes and he'd talk to Jesus. He would talk of the greatness of, of God, the greatness of Jesus. And I just really appreciate that, that informal uh, relationship. And what I mean by that is, as opposed to the very formal, you know, the whole church thing, the pipe organ starts up and, you know, you think God has just entered in the building and he's always there. But you know, I'm just trying to explain to you that all that looked to be uh, a lot of trouble. It, it really did. It looked to be sometimes too much. And what I mean by that is so much that I I think I started questioning, can I do this because it just looks so incredibly holy the people look so holy their their suits are so perfect they're pressed the tie is hanging perfectly plumb there is not a hair out of place this is holiness and no it was not holiness but i'm just trying to share with a young believer coming up in the faith you know looking at all this and and looking at himself and thinking man i don't know if i fit here and so it was about this time that i picked up a guitar and i got fairly decent at it my within a couple years me and my buddies had won a couple of battles of the bands and i i really enjoyed being with them it was fun but drugs were introduced and there were girls there were temptations and I fell for it. I fell for it and I liked it. I felt like I fit. But there was always that conflict because let me tell you, not one time in my walk have I ever denied Christ and I always claimed him as my savior. And there were times when I felt like I was such a poor representative as a Christian, and I'm not talking about trying to outdo the holy ones, as I sometimes refer to them, but I, I didn't even feel by my standard and what I understood of Scripture was I truly live in my life like Christ would have me, and I struggle with that today. <clears throat> I really do. But anyhow, that that was the trajectory I was on, and at some point in time, I'm like, you know, this this is fun, and I want to do this for a living, and I, and I seriously considered and r tried to become a professional musician, and uh, I was broke. I was, I was broke, and I was struggling. I was working a couple of jobs, and it was starting to dawn on me. I wasn't that old when I decided to peel off and pursue something else that was going to feed me and my family, but I, I seriously wanted to be a musician. 
So I'm about 16, 17 years old, and I'm on my own. And uh, I don't mean to tell, tell you I did it completely on my own. God put some angels in my life. Uh, my girlfriend's parents looked after me, and I uh, was blessed to have the means to get a an apartment. Had two roommates, two roommates in a two-bedroom apartment. Made it work. The only thing in my refrigerator was promotional cigarettes from NASCAR race events, which they were stocked completely up, and alcohol, beer, and uh, sometimes would have a fifth of whiskey uh, in there. And that's, that, that's how I lived. I was not going to church. I had completely dropped out of the church life, but still continued at times, not every night, not every night before I went to bed. There were times I would just stop and I would pray. I would I would check in every now and again, and I knew I wasn't living like I was supposed to be. Well, the children came along, and there was that deep sense of, well, I don't know if I'm the person to turn them on, and I was exactly the, the person that should be turning them onto the word. And so I, I joined a church. I got very involved with the church. I have, by this time, I have found the career of my life. I'm going to follow it. I didn't know it at the time, but it would be a 35-year career that I would, I would retire from. But my life is coming together. I mean, you, if you're looking from the outside in, you're like the guys, the guys on target. And I, I've tried to embrace the whole church thing. I was um, very much a part of helping build a church. Uh, did a lot of the woodwork in the church. Uh, did the nursery, laid the floors in the bathroom, uh, painted it. And uh, was there as the church came out of the ground. And this, I'm doing this with the pastor who actually married me and my wife. And uh, I'm getting very involved in church. I'm doing announcements. And I was even approached about being a deacon. And, uh, well, I, I met with them. They, they did a little prayer. And they said it was led upon their heart to approach me about being a deacon. But didn't pass a test because uh, we got to that part about... Uh, drinking beer and I was still drinking beer and uh, well they, they continued to let me go to the church uh, I still participated very heavily in the the different programs and and would even do the uh, announcements sometimes for the service so they didn't totally abandon me but they had a very strong rule and I was raised in a southern baptist church and I just knew that that, that was a deal breaker but out of all the things that uh, I was doing, I, I never felt that that was bad. It was not getting in the way of my life. I knew what it was like to do things in excess. And at this time in my life, I had really went to a place of moderation, trying not to do some of the things my friends did. I, I watched some train wrecks. feel guilty about that, too, because I, I probably could have been much more helpful uh, keeping from some of them train wrecks from happening. And uh, it was only by the grace of God I didn't have an absolute train wreck or catastrophe in my life. But I think I was still acting within my faith in a very superficial way. And it could be argued that at least I had the main thing, right? I knew who my Savior was. I was still keeping in contact. But I still wasn't quite living up to at least what I thought was expected of me. 
I had, but then at this point, I've already come to know who Ed Henderson, the man, is, and I, I know my shortcomings. I know the weakness, but I think I'm starting to sense what is it that God can do with a man and within a man because I had all those incredible stories of people who were not necessarily the holy ones, the perfect ones. Matter of fact, they were usually the most defected ones, either physically or in their character, and yet they were the ones that rose up and did the greatest things for God. So I'm not going to be no Bible hero. I, I don't I don't believe that's in my cards. Uh, I don't think I'm going to rise to that level. But man, I, I'm looking at where I'm at and I'm thinking I could be so much more. So as, as a Christian, I would probably tell you, I'm like so many Christians at this point in time in my life, when things are really bad, that's when I run to Savior. I just want to jump in His lap. and Because at this time, I can assure you, I've, I've exhausted everything that Ed Henderson can do. I've uh, did all my plans. I've done all my schemes. And I'm in trouble. I'm, I don't have the answers. But I, that's when I run to Father. I, I know He does. I know He does. And I put myself in his hands. I don't know what the answer is going to be, but I know that is my safe harbor. I know that he loves me, and I know whatever he does, it is going to be for my best. So I, I played that game for a very long time. I would tell you today that I, I get up and praise him for the sun. I praise him for the calmness of the seas. I pray, I pray for the calmness of life, and, and I pray for our country. I pray for our leaders. And I'm just, I, I walk around with a very grateful and a very thankful heart. And it's, it's much better. It's much more of a relationship. I mean, it's not much of a relationship if somebody's always coming up when times are bad. I mean, we, we typically separate ourselves from people like that, right? Not Jesus. Not Jesus. Once you're his, you are his. He loves you. Uh, and that's something else I struggle. Can I love to the degree that Christ does, I have my moments. I have those moments where the Holy Spirit comes inside, and I guess you might be impressed. I'm not because I know that's I know that's Jesus. I know that's the Holy Spirit. That's not Ed Henderson. I know who He is, but to love to the degree that Christ did and does, and that is something that I question: Can I ever get close to being as loving? and sacrificing is Jesus I would tell you I would say no I don't think so but what a wonderful example to set your eyes to to start trying to even head that direction and if, if you're doing that you're doing a lot more than a lot of them are but life would come my way and it would come hard I would have some personal issues uh, health I would say at times money, either real or imagining, or the stress of just trying to make it happen. One of the biggest things I had to ever face was a very serious health problem with one of my children that was life-threatening. And uh, man, threw money at it, prayed over it, did everything that I could, and I was lost. And I, I had means to pursue this. I mean... God been very graceful to me and blessed me to even be in a position to have the ability to even pursue some very serious medical interventions, uh, medicines, but yet no answer came. 
man, I was scared, y'all. I, w- I, w- I was very, very scared, and it was, uh, it was tough in many ways on us as a family, and the only thing I could do was look up to Christ. And, you know, he came through. He came through, and uh, I would say that my prayers were answered mightily. I can also tell you that at this point in my faith walk that I'm pretty sure that had my prayers not been answered in any kind of shape, form, or fashion as would have been what I would consider acceptable and good. I would have still praised the name of Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's the faith that I had at this time. It had grown to that level. So I'm back into church, and now I think I'm really trying to do things the right way. I, I want to serve. I want to be a really a contributing member of my church. And again, this is where the church thing, and the church to a large degree, as a, it was a blessing and a stumbling block also. Uh, because, well, I'm a Southern Baptist. There's a, you know, I've heard two comedians open up shows making light of when they're asking about all the denominations that are represented in at their show and uh, you know everybody hey, has got any baptists in here and everybody said yeah yeah he's like yeah i felt that air of judgment in here and everybody would laugh some of the best comedians are funny because they mix some reality in with how things truly are right that was both very funny and sad at the same time so one thing the Southern Baptist did teach me was to read my Bible. We had Bible drills, we learned verses, and I was well acquainted with Scripture. And that's where I would turn to when I felt like I could no longer uh, meet up with what the church expected. I turned to Scripture. I turned to the, the teachings of Jesus, which again, they taught me to do. So if you look at the people of the church, the church people, which... I think at one time I would tell you I don't like church people and I have become quite the church guy at the same time. And in the same breath, I will tell you again, I sometimes I really don't care for church people that much. I still, uh, you'll still find me with those people, those sinners at concerts, sometimes at bars. You will find me with people who I do not agree with their lifestyle. And I can assure you that there are believers, there are Christians out there that will tell you that I'm going straight to hell. I'm always that guy. I'm some, I'm, I get it on both sides. I get attacked from uh, the secular world for believing in any body or thing like Jesus Christ. And then sometimes I get it from my fellow church people who uh, don't believe that I'm doing it right. And if you're contemplating this decision... Don't let doing it right get in the way. If the Holy Spirit is starting to speak to you and is uh, seeking that decision from you, and it is all by free will, you are free to walk away from Jesus Christ. I respect that. And even more importantly, by his example, he puts it there for you. It is only through free will and faith that you come to Christ. I'm not going to berate you into it. Nobody's going to beat you into it. But like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I heavily suspect, if not absolutely believe, that is innate in every person's heart to be reconciled 
with God. So I'm going to turn to Scripture and uh, share a few things with you that I think really show who Jesus Christ is and how he walked amongst men when he was here. You see, the religious people of that day were his biggest criticizers. They're the ones that said Jesus himself was not doing it right, and it didn't bother him one bit. He continued because he loved the people, and he was with those that he came to heal. So I think this, uh, let me get my Bible. I think this is in the book of Matthew. It's where Matthew is being called to follow Jesus. So give me a second. I'm going to hit pause and get my get my Bible. So Jesus has caught the attentions of the Pharisees. I mean, his uh, healing of people, his ministering to people have uh, caught the attention of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're investigating this heretic, or so they call him. They, they, they think he is a evil man because uh, this cannot be the Son of God. I mean, he just doesn't do it their way. But if we go to, it's in the book of Mark, chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house, who would be Matthew, that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I did come, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, Jesus knew those Pharisees and Sadducees were just as much in need of salvation, arguably more so, but he put them in their place. I mean, he came here for the sinner. He didn't come for the people who had it all figured out, knew, uh, or at least thought that they were righteous. All throughout Scripture, you're going to find examples of people being with uh, the phrase I think everybody has attributed, Hillary Clinton, the undesirables. Jesus loves the undesirables. Here we are in the book of Luke, chapter 7, verse 33, and this is Jesus Christ speaking. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man, speaking of himself, has come eating and drinking. And you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Uh, again, just another example of Jesus confronting the Pharisees. And here I think what he's saying, what is it, what is it going to take to make you happy? You've got, you've got one guy who is uh, not... He's not eating, drinking, he's fasting, uh, he's in the wilderness, he's living to bare bones, he's, he's completely sold out to God and, and bringing to your attention my coming, the coming of the Messiah, and you're saying he has a demon. Here I am, I'm here with the tax collectors and the sinners and drinking, and you say that I'm a drunk, and uh, eating with them, you say I'm a glutton. So what does it take to make you people happy? Now, I think that is a pretty fair in uh, what, what is going on here. But again, what I'm pointing out to you is that he was not there with those perfect people, those lily white people, those people who just think that they are God's gift to, uh, to exemplify who 
who he is. Now, not all Sadducees and Pharisees uh, denied Christ. Uh, I think many of them would come to accept him as a Savior, but we do know of one, Nicodemus. Nicodemus would actually meet and speak with Jesus Christ out of the eyesight of the other Sadducees and Pharisees. He would talk to them. He'd go talk to him at night. And I think, this is just my personal opinion, I think he might have had the opportunity to be a follower and I'm talking about it in the, in the disciple sense, in the apostle sense, not just be a follower, because he would become one of the early followers of the church. But, you know, he was dealing with his reason and his logic, and Christ was very patient with him. And he would tell Nicodemus, you know, you're going to have to be born again. And Nicodemus, being the logical man that he is, said, what's, what's that mean, dude? Does that mean I've got to go back into my mother's womb and experience rebirth and Christ was like Nicodemus you you teach this stuff do you not how in the world am I going to share things of a spiritual nature when you don't even understand things of an earthly nature now Nicodemus did not just drop everything and start following Christ at that time but we do know that he would become a follower of the church matter of fact he was part of gathering up Christ's body at the crucifixion and making sure that it was it was buried and cared for. So some of the some of the Pharisees and the Sadducees did get it, but they had to overcome those uh, those teachings or those misrepresentations of those teachings and understandings. That's in that's in the book of John, chapter three. The book of John is my favorite book, by the way, because it I just think it shows who Jesus Christ is an example, and he strongly proclaims who he is. Uh, I would always tell you, if you're not going to read any other book in the Bible, read the book of John. If you're only going to read one chapter in the book of John, I would say go read uh, chapter 8. But this story also comes, and you may be familiar with this, both believer and non-believer together, but it's the woman at the well. Now, this woman is a Samaritan, and Samaritan Jews just do not intermingle. The, the Jews just have no respect for the faith walk of the Samaritans. They don't do it right. They don't follow all the traditions. They don't, they don't pray like they do. They don't worship like they do. It's another great story in the book of John. It's in, found in the chapter 4, and it's a woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And as I told you, uh, Jews and Samaritans just did not intermingle or had very much respect for one another. It says that uh, in, starting in chapter 4, verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. This is where it gets good. 
The woman answers and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She had no idea he was he was he was a savior, but it's at this point that uh, she realizes that she is dealing with a prophet. He is a prophet, also son of God. And Jesus said to her, "Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming." And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him worship Him in spirit. So the woman is just like blown away. She runs back to the village, and she's telling everybody about Jesus. They come and logically are inquiring who this is, and many of them came to believe that He was the Savior. But again, I'm not trying to be vulgar here, but this woman, many would say, is a whore. And Jesus Christ loves this woman. He loves loves her dearly. He witnesses to her. Uh, he offers her salvation, which it, it, it appears that she took it. I think many people think this might have been Mary Magdalene that would, that would join the disciples and would uh, walk with Christ. I don't think I have that wrong, but it's been a while since I've uh, been in that part of study to be able to tell you otherwise. But I think there are some people who who believe that. What I want you to take from all of that is that this was not Mr. Joe Cool who's got the perfect suit on. He's just so clean. He just looks like he's never broke a sweat, that uh, he's just had the blessings of God and everything evil never came upon him. Or if it did, he just triumphantly stepped right over and crushed it because of the incredible Christian that he is. It doesn't work that way. The power emanates from Jesus Christ himself. It is that power. It is through the Holy Spirit. And anybody who has been on a faith walk, I don't know how you do not become incredibly humble. So when you see that pastor throw his shoulders back and he's just so bold and he talks about he doesn't do this and he never did that and this could never happen to him, that's not a representation. That's, and that's my opinion. That's my opinion. I'm sure these cats bring people to some true meaning, but I just don't know how you experience life and not become incredibly humble. So when I see this arrogance, this incredible arrogance, arrogance. I don't understand it. I, I can't perceive it. And I'm not going to judge them. I'm just telling you from my own personal perspective, they will stand before Jesus Christ on that day of judgment. And they will have to give an accounting for who that is not my place to judge. I'm just simply making my statement and I'm sharing my faith walk with you. And it has been humbling anytime that I try to just, uh, I don't know, stick my chin up in the air and bow my chest out. That's when I got bowled over the worst. And it's happened too many times. And uh, that's just the lesson that I learned. It's a very humbling experience when you realize just how dependent you are on the grace of God. There are so many stories. There was the uh, story of uh, Jesus being in the house of one of the Pharisees 
and a uh, woman came up. I think she is identified as a prostitute. And uh, nobody anoints Jesus' head with uh, oil. Nobody's cleaning his feet. And yet all these people who, I think the Pharisees got him there just so they can look at him a little bit closer, start building the case to bring him under uh, the court so he can be tried for being a heretic and brought to the cross. They think that they are killing a slanderous, lying uh, heretic on the cross, and they don't even realize they're playing a part in man's salvation. It was meant to be. It was, it was predicted in the Old Testament. It was just a carrying out of God's will. But what I'm trying to drive home in this last little bit of this podcast is that it wasn't the people that should have known, the people that were in the pulpits, the people that were preaching, the people that were teaching. It's like they had this blindness over their eyes, and yet you had this poor sinner, this prostitute that saw the glory of Jesus Christ, and he loved this woman. He forgave her sins. Again, people, it wasn't the people who thought they had it all together. Now, mind you, I just told you Nicodemus came to know Christ. He came for all. He came for those people too. But uh, take it from somebody who's been around a little bit walking, you know, and I, I told you before, I think the church was somewhat of a stumbling block for me, but it was after I really got engaged with the church and uh, I'm a musician. I, I play in church every Sunday. Uh, hopefully if some of the people listening to this are uh, members of my current congregation, they will not be offended. I mean no offense. Matter of fact, this is probably one of the more, what's the word I'm looking for? And again, it's my personal opinion and conviction that they really try to follow it the best they can. Uh, and they, they know the frailty of human beings and they don't put any type of uh, false pretenses but I guess we're getting ready to find out because I've already said some things that might, um, they might ask me to not serve anymore. And they might not even ask me to come to the church anymore. I don't think that's going to happen with this congregation, but that has happened to me. I'm going to give you another one. This will be the last uh, story out of the book of John, which I told you is my favorite book. It's the story of the blind man receiving sight. You'll find this in the book of John, chapter 9. It says, Now as Jesus passed, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Now, I would say that these were probably some, <laughs> some of the original Southern Baptists, because that is very Southern Baptist-y to wonder what is wrong with the spiritual life of somebody when they start experiencing... Uh, troubles when they have conflict you'll see it in the book of job a very godly man a very righteous man and a discussion between satan and god ended with him being tested and as he was going through some incredible trials and tribulations his friends were saying what dude what have you done wrong how did you get on the opposite side of god you need whatever it is you're doing wrong you need to turn around and and not do that anymore but that's very uh, Southern Baptistry, and, I, and I'm still a Southern Baptist to this day. I'm a Christian first and foremost, but my church is affiliated with Southern Baptists. But let me continue on with the story. So they're asking Jesus, what did he do to be blind? And Jesus says, Not, neither the man nor his parents have sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. 
I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. With that, and we're in verse 6 now, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay and with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind, his mother and father knew this, his neighbors had known him all his life. And now this man can see. And they're asking the question, Is it not this he who sat and begged? At verse 9, Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. See, they're, they're, they're thinking their eyes are playing tricks on him. They cannot believe this is the man all his life who could not see, who can now see. They have seen him beg for days on end, years on end, and their, their logic, their senses are being shocked. In verse 10, therefore they said to him, how were your eyes open? And he answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. I was blind and now I see. Where have you heard that a million times? Amazing grace. It's just so ingrained in us. The blindness and then the sight that we receive through Christ. And then in verse 13, they said they brought him to the Pharisees. Oh, yeah, this uh, Jesus, this Jesus guy has just done something else that uh, he must be a demon. He must be evil. He can't be what it appears that he, he is. He, at least a prophet and, and son of God. And we need to get to the bottom of this. So this interrogation ensues where they bring the man in front of him. And he recounts the story word for word as it happens. They don't believe him. They bring his parents in to be interrogated. And uh, they said, yeah, that's our son. And he's been blind all his life and uh, can't, can't explain it. But yeah, now he sees. Now, I want you to see what the Pharisees uh, start focusing on. They, they're kind of getting away because the evidence is too overwhelming that whatever happened at one time, this man could not see, and now he sees. But they think they got Jesus because Jesus did this on the Sabbath. It's a holy day. You're not to do these kinds of works, or so they say. Who is to question the Son of God? But so here they say, because this is their traditions, this is what they follow. This is what they believe. And so this is what they, uh, this is what they start trying to figuratively crucify Jesus with, that he did this work on the Sabbath. So they call the once blind man back in to interrogate him one more time just to see if they can get him to crack. And the guy gets kind of bold with him because... Well, he has truth on his side. He has met the Son of God. He doesn't know it at this point in time. He's getting ready to know Jesus. He's getting ready to reveal that to him. But this guy is bold now because he doesn't care who these Sadducees and Pharisees are. Then he answers them. This is in verse 27. I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Man, <laughs> that got touchy. And uh, then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. Look at who they put their faith in. Not that Moses was not a great uh, biblical character and man of God, 
but they they worship Moses. These people are the ones that are truly blind. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The answered and said to them, why, why this is a marvelous thing, which you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is worshipers of God and does his will, he hears him. The man is starting to make his claim as being a, a, a child of God, a, a child of Jesus Christ, because Again, he's insulting them. He's saying, you know, God's not hearing you. You are sinners. My prayers have been heard. Now, the God does go back to Jesus. Jesus has heard that he got thrown out of his little uh, interview there. And the once blind man has stood up and uh, for God and, and Jesus Christ. And the um, brother's coming in, into his own as a believer in verse 35, Jesus said, heard, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? He answered and said, who is he? Lord, that I may believe in him. You know, this guy just knows he's had an incredible encounter that he's got some inclination on, but really cannot explain. And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Wow. Those are just some examples of who Jesus was. This is the, this is the example that he set. I'm coming up on, what am I, 47 minutes after editing and stuff. It's still going to be the longest podcast that I have ever done. Um, I'm hoping that you stayed with me until the end, but I got that out of the way very quickly when I proclaimed that Jesus Christ is my Savior. This been a it's been an ugly faith walk. I ain't gonna lie to you. It was it was it was very challenging at times. It's not that I don't want to share Jesus Christ, and I'm not one to ambush you. I simply will put it out there for you because that's what Jesus Christ did. He put that out for you and it was your free will to either accept it or to simply walk away. I'm going to ask, and I don't, I guess I just feel like it's led on my heart. If don't think that you can't do this. Matter of fact, there is a lot to have faith in that the dirty you are, the farthest away you are, that you're exactly the person that he's looking for. So I just, I just pray if uh, one or two people stayed with me uh, to the end, that something is stirred in your heart. I want to encourage you to at least make an inquiry as to who this Jesus Christ is. I know who he is. I am, I am fully convicted and convinced of who Jesus Christ is. And so if you're listening to me and you're thinking, man, it is like the super holy guy, you're so wrong. If you're thinking, uh, man, I bet you he won't go out to eat with me no more. No, this is who I have been the entire time. And uh, I am always who I am. I, I, and if you've spent any time with me, you know that I'm a believer. But like Jesus Christ, I'm more than willing to sit at the tables of the deplorables because... 
I am one of you. I am a deplorable. And even with all these things that I have shared with you, it is only through the blood of Christ that God can even set his eyes on me. It will not be of anything that I have done. It will be through faith only. And it will be what Jesus Christ has done that one day I will be reunited with God. So incredibly, I would say that uh, if you didn't know me, I have let this go way up to 50 minutes in podcasts that go up into this kind of uh, time frame usually don't do very good. People usually uh, turn off at about 25 or 30 minutes. So at this point in time, you have given me almost an hour of your time. I would love to uh, hear any comments that you would make. Um, I'm, I'm ready for both good and bad. I've heard it all. I promise you. I'm not going to change my position, though, and invite you to check out who Jesus Christ is because he loves you. He came for anyone. John 3:16. most people know it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him will have everlasting life. That's my invitation to you. I have probably made many mistakes, many mistakes, and will make many more, I'm sure, because I know myself too well, as it pertains to Jesus scripture but you know what he's a god that keeps on letting me get back up and as long as he does i will proclaim his name gladly claim him as a friend i sometimes i can't understand why he acknowledges me but he does and therefore i'm here to tell you that again as i said at the beginning jesus christ is my savior i invite you to come to know him and so let's call it right there maybe we'll do more talks about the bible i love talking about the bible once again thank you if you heard anything that you liked here today please follow if you're in close proximity please if you feel the need to approach me i would love to talk to you one-on-one about jesus christ and for my southern baptist friends i i I hope i gave credit where credit was due because that's where i learned how to get into the bible to dig to read those people who have judged me in the past, there's no hard feelings on my part. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I wasn't butt hurt for a little bit, but I've gotten over it. And uh, I pray that God is working in your life, that uh, your churches are doing well, that you're reaching people for Jesus Christ. Again, no hard feelings here. If you want to carry him, you carry him. So God bless you. Take care. I'm out like a scout. Bye.